Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Today, I get to teach you an entire book of the Bible. Just today, the book of Obadiah. And it's in 25 minutes we'll get through this, I promise. The book is only one chapter long. So open your Bibles to Obadiah. You can find it on the YouVersion app or in a regular Bible. So far in this series, you have heard Pastor Sean teach about 2 John, and then Pastor Dallas, he taught about 3 John. Obadiah is written by a prophet. He was bringing a warning to a nation of people that we're gonna learn about today. He kept his words very brief and to the point, and so this is the shortest book in the Old Testament. His warnings are about the pride of a nation that started with the impatience of one man. The entire book shows us a dramatic example of God's response to anyone who would harm his children. So I will explain God's chosen people for you, and we are going to discover the two main points of the entire book of Obadiah and the title of this message, Impatience and Pride. Let's pray. God, thank you for my friends that are engaging in this. God, I pray you'll help us with impatience, you'll free us from pride, and you'll teach us about an entire book in one short sermon. We're grateful for your word and how it can come alive today to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love a movie that's a true story. Like, I love movies, but I love a movie that's a true story. Sean and I now budget time after our movie to Google more background on character and storylines. So we'll watch something and we know we're going to fact check it. Now, I hope I do a good job of that, but I want to find background. So to give you background to the short postcard from heaven book, I'm going to tell you a little more. So remember Father Abraham? He had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I'm not going to sing like Pastor sings to you often. Abraham had many sons, except for when he didn't. Abraham was the guy who said his hot wife, Sarah, was his sister, so he wouldn't be killed by a ruler who wanted her. And I mean wanted her, like to take her to the palace. This happened not only once, but twice with two different rulers. Now, was it cultural back then? There are many theories, but they all point to the fact that Abraham lied and he told Sarah to lie too. So if we think we will only find perfect people used in the Bible by God, we won't. Other than Jesus, we won't. So Sarah, for a lifetime, couldn't get pregnant. And by age 90, she was still barren. Her and Abraham wanted children so desperately, I've been there. They prayed and prayed for them. Late in their life, though, two messenger angels came to their camp and they shared a message. They shared a message from God that Father Abraham would be Father Abraham, but he didn't have any sons. They said, you will have so many descendants, they'll be like the stars, and no one can keep track. But Abraham and Sarah, they got impatient. They took matters into their own hands. It gets even more scandalous. Sarah has her maidservant sleep with Abraham. There were no doctors back there, so Hagar went and slept with Abraham. She had Ishmael. 
Hagar and Ishmael would soon be expelled due to Sarah's jealousy. And did you know that Ishmael would become the father of Islam? Abraham and Sarah later did have their own promised son, Isaac. But what if they just had been patient? What if they had just been patient in God's promise to make him father Abraham? See how similar we are to them in our impatience? Oh, but it gets juicier when Abraham's grandkids and great-grandkids, they, they just continue to follow in his footsteps. So I wanted to bring a felt board out today. You know, the old school Sunday school way of doing things in the past where the Sunday school teacher would take a felt board and then take Abraham, his character cut out of felt, and stick it on a felt board. And then she'd take the son Isaac and she'd cut it out, but she'd have it and put it on the felt board. And then two twin sons are born and the babies are cut out and we'd have Sunday school with a felt board. But I was gonna have a hard time doing that today. So to make it an easy childlike visual and to establish the full background of the descendants that Obadiah is warning us about, and this is the warning again, Obadiah said, you will suffer the consequences of impatience and pride. I thought, I remembered the kids pastor, Pastor Dallas just preached about this. The very family that has impatience, he talked about a few weeks back. So this is gonna be way more entertaining we're gonna catch up to the background of Obadiah, and he's gonna give us our first point right now. Watch Pastor Dallas. Early in the Bible, we learn about a man named Abraham. God had promised to make Abraham the father of a great nation, and God said he would bless all people through him. God gave, began to fulfill this promise when Abraham had a son named Isaac. When Isaac grew up, he married a woman named Rebekah. It seemed that Isaac and Rebekah could not have children, but God kept his promise. Isaac prayed and God answered his prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Rebekah could feel the twin boys wrestling in her stomach, and she asked God what should she do? God explained to her why the boys were fighting. He said, two nations are in your body. Two tribes that are now inside you will be separated. One nation will be stronger than the other. The older son will serve the younger one. So the time came for Rebekah to have the babies. Esau was born first. He had a full head of red hair. Then Jacob was born, still holding on to Esau's heel. Jacob and Esau may have shared a birthday, but that was all they had in common. Esau loved to roam far out into the wilderness and grew up to be a skillful hunter, while Jacob, on the other hand, was happy staying at home cooking. One day Jacob was cooking up some stew. As Esau came closer to the camp, he could smell the delicious food that Jacob was cooking. Esau came in and was very hungry, spending all day outside. Esau demanded that Jacob give him some food. Speaking of food, those cupcakes, they gotta be ready by now. You know what? Let's just check them out. I mean, they look a little undercooked. I'm just gonna try a little bit. A little runny, but 
Oh. Oh. Oh, those were not okay. Let's get back to the story. Jacob saw how hungry and impatient his brother was and knew this was his chance. He told Esau, first sell me the rights that belong to you as the oldest son in the family. Okay, hold on. Let's take a second to think about what Jacob was asking. Back then, the oldest son had the right to be the new leader of the family when the father passed away. So that means Jacob was telling Esau to give him those rights for a bowl of stew. But Esau was not willing to wait. He said, look, I'm dying of hunger. What good are those rights to me? Jacob made Esau a promise to trade his rights if he would give him some stew. Can you believe it? Esau did it. He just couldn't wait. He promised his rights to Jacob just so he could fill his belly. Jeez. Esau sat down and enjoyed a delicious meal. But as his stomach filled, he must have had time to stop and think again. He just traded away the rights of a lifetime for a meal that would only last him a few hours, all because he could not wait. Have you ever acted like Esau? Have you ever given up something really important because you couldn't just wait till later? Whenever you're faced with a situation where you're really needing patience, it's important to remember that God provides what we need and he does it in his perfect timing. Waiting is hard, but we need to remember to trust God's timing. Trust me, I wanted these cupcakes to be done on my timing, but not waiting definitely cost me. Ugh. Pastor Dallas said he just traded away the rights of a lifetime for a meal that would only last him a few hours, all because he could not wait. We could end right there with that lasting illustration that our kids already received. So he taught us our first point today. Impatience can be conquered. But how can you conquer impatience? Through patience? Well, of course, but none of us wanna pray for patience. So I have a better answer. Consider the long-term consequences of impatience, which is why we're gonna look at the long-term consequences of Esau's impatience on generations and generations to come. And you're gonna be able to see the second lesson from Obadiah, which I'm gonna show you as we finish this story a few generations later. So the hairy, red-haired, burly twin Esau that Pastor Dallas talked about, his descendants went on to live in the high mountain caves and they were called the Edomites. For generations, they still carried a, a grudge. Their ancestor had this grudge, but the descendants, they kept being mad at Jacob's descendants. Remember a few months back when I preached a message on forgiving when you can't forget? I talked about how if we could truly forgive, we wouldn't make our children and grandchildren pay for the sins of our fathers. Well, a second lesson in the book of Obadiah is that unforgiveness stems from pride. Pride to hold a grudge, pride to be right no matter what, 
pride to hold something over someone's head. The descendants of one messed up scamming brother Jacob and the descendants of the impatient and flippant brother Esau, they fight it out even though the brothers later on met up and worked it out. This sounds a little more like us today than we assume those felt perfect Bible characters were. Both brothers had flaws, but the birthright had more significance than Esau thought. Even as the birthright was taken through deceit on Jacob's part, God doesn't break his word. He blessed Jacob and his descendants. Now they're known as the Jews or the Israelites. They got a double portion and they became God's chosen people. In my head, I get stuck holding on to this, I want to see a perfect hero and I want to see a completely evil villain. I'm not as into comics or superheroes as Pastor Dallas, but I think we will look for the good and the evil in stories and then we don't relate to them. But we can relate to this. We can so relate to these stories because we can so relate to their mess ups. We can so relate to holding a grudge, right? The hostility of Esau's descendants towards Jacob's, the Israelites, was fierce. And I want to show you in Proverbs 16, 18. It says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride was also a sin, the sin, that led to Lucifer falling from heaven. So our very first example of pride is in Lucifer, who later is Satan and de the devil. He's the author of lies, but he's also the author of pride. Can I just be bold on the subject of pride? Can I just point out how pride can be sneaky, but also pride is flaunted in front of us in today's culture? We are bombarded with opinions and rants. These aren't Jesus-loving, God-fearing people, but those who have placed themselves as this self-appointed pedestal of authority. They tell you to find your own truth, but that thinking is straight from the pit of hell. You have been sold a lie, and many of us are willing to pay big, and we will pay big for what sounds so appealing. We are unknowingly willing to sell our soul to be able to pridefully stand on our own truth. There isn't a truth for me and a truth for you. There is the Bible, the lasting God-breathed words that we are to humbly measure our life by. All people are required, not just the chosen Jewish people, all of us are required when the truth is given that we take it. It's not just a suggestion. We are to all live out the truth. But frankly, we don't like the requirements of the Bible. We don't vibe with the warnings. We don't want to give up the habits of the Bible. We don't want to give up what the Bible says is foolish. We don't really want the wisdom of God that starts with the fear of Him because then we would have to act that out. We get impatient for what we want, when we want it. We prefer what tickles our ears, like when authors say, girl, wash your face, or people with an agenda say, love is love. These counterfeits allow us to live and think on the fringe. We're teetering on the edge of an eternal life without Jesus. Oh, we have a choice. This one is our choice, paradise and peace or suffering and torment. Our choice is heaven or hell. Let's be honest, we don't want to think about eternity and consequences for our truth. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, it can't be our truth. Even though we are warned about hell and its reality, we prefer what gives us a rush now. Like Fifty Shades of Grey, ladies, and those websites, men and ladies, 
We like the YouTube faces who entertain us even though they have filthy mouths and they flippantly talk about their sinful lifestyle. Pride says I can put in my eyes and in my ears whatever I enjoy or whatever brings me a rush, whatever brings me happiness. We ignore the nudges of the Holy Spirit saying, shut that off, turn that to a different station. We would rather be like everyone else rather than make the effort to be like His people. It's not fun to be God's chosen. Because like Esau, I'm starving now and I don't care what this means. I'm thinking about this moment. Esau's ancestors, like our present day celebrities, they lived on top of the world. And believe me, their beliefs, their truths, it soaks into your skin, it soaks into your heart. Whether you like to admit it or not, it soaks in and affects us. The Edomites also lived above everyone else. They lived on the sides of high rocky mountains. They felt invincible. Their stronghold was Mount Seir, translated Petra or rock in Greek. I'm gonna show you two pictures now. The mountain peaks rose up to 5,700 feet. The Edomites saw themselves as greater than the nations surrounding them. So in Obadiah, he warns, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You will live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Obadiah tells the Edomites they would be expelled from their own territory. So again, who am I comparing the Edomites to? Well, humanity, why? Because Edom in Hebrew comes from the same word as Adam, Adam, which both mean humanity. The influencers, the presidents, the activists, the celebrities, the ones standing above the normal guy and girl who think they know better, they know better than God and they reject being accountable to the Bible. Then we allow people without a moral compass to guide our decisions. I heard a Messianic rabbi say a few weeks ago, God will not accept, cannot accept sin, no matter how small. So in Romans 6.10, look what Jesus did. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Not your ears, not your eyes, not your hands, not your fingertips as you type. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Many high living people that you're following and aspiring to be, they're a part of the domino effect of sin in this world and the path that's gonna lead us down. Remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? You know the last part where they go through a narrow canyon and into a temple into a lost city? That was filmed at Petra. We're gonna put the picture back up. The temple is really a massive tomb cut into the cliff. So in 1865, an account was recorded that described Petra and what it was like in 1865. I wanna compare for you these descriptions with the prophecies written in the Bible 800 and some years before by Obadiah, that warning, and 2,400 years earlier by Isaiah. But this is what was said in 1865. 
Captain Mangles, who visited these ruins, says that when surveying the scenery of Petra, the screaming of the eagles, hawks, and owls, who were soaring over our heads in considerable numbers, seemingly annoyed at anyone approaching their lonely habitation. Well, Obadiah, 800 years earlier, said in verse 8, I will destroy the wise sages of Edom, the advisors from Esau's mountain. Your warriors will be shattered, O Taman, so that everyone will be destroyed from Esau's mountain, because you violently slaughtered your relatives, the people of Jacob. Shame will cover you, and you will be destroyed forever. This is what Isaiah said 2,400 years earlier. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be a habitation of dragons, which really would be scorpions, and that's what they found in 1865 under every rock. It says, the wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satire, which is a demonic figure that people worship today. It says, this is what Isaiah said, that it would cry to its fellow, the screech owl, and they'll rest there. It'll make it a place of rest. So Edom falls big time. It's never been populated again as Jeremiah predicted. It has had a bloody history as Ezekiel predicted. Edom became populated with wild animals and birds as Isaiah predicted. And the likelihood that these prophecies came true by some random chain of events is all but impossible. So Obadiah's prophecy focuses not only on impatience, but pride. So we fight impatience by considering the consequences of impatience, so how do we fight pride? Simple, we fight pride by worshiping God. Pastor preached a few years back, and I remember being jarred by the concept that we fight pride with worship, because the opposite of pride is worship, not humility. I was like, what? When we humble ourselves to worship the God, we break down our pride. And now I just found more biblical proof that he was right. Obadiah's name means worshiper of Yahweh. It offers an interesting contrast to the message of judgment he pronounced on Edom. As a worshiper of Yahweh, Obadiah placed himself in a position of humility before the Lord. He embraced his lowly place, not his high mountain place. He embraced his lowly place before the Almighty God. That God sent a man named worshiper of Yahweh to the people of Edom was no mistake. He chose us when he died for us on the cross. So what's our choice? to consider the consequences of impatience, to choose to worship God, to fight the sin of pride. But before we can do either of those, step one is giving every part of yourself over to Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I pray for my friends who may need to take step one of bringing you into their life before they can go to step two and step three, really. God, before they can fight impatience and pride, they have to just receive you. So God, I pray, where my friends are sitting or standing right now, that God, if they need you in their life right now, they would just repeat this prayer with me, after me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. Be my everything. I give myself over to you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Making that decision is the greatest decision you can make. And God has patience with us to now work on impatience and pride. But the best part is, is that we can connect with you and help you on this Jesus journey. The first step in just giving everything over to Him. If you're with us today and you just say, I, I struggle with one or both. And I can honestly say, I struggle with waiting. I want what I want in the moment. 
and that's impatience, but I also want what I want when I want it, and that's pride. So if that's you, can I pray for you? God, for my friends, I pray that if one or both of these are a struggle, God, we would learn that this short book of Obadiah, written by a prophet who comes to warn, is not just warning one nation, He's warning all of us because it concludes about the end times, but he's offering us hope that in repentance, that in asking forgiveness and turning God towards you, you'll help us with all of the sins, all of the struggles in our life. So thank you for my friends that give it all over to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.